Um, you know, Vision Sunday is a, is a funny thing. It's, it's, it's sort of like a, um, a thing that has sprung up in churches of recent. I don't think, I remember growing up in church and I don't remember Vision Sundays being a thing when I was a kid. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys would agree or disagree with me, but I feel like they're a more recent thing. And, and I think they're a great thing. And whether we're going to have Vision Sundays in 20 years' time, who knows? Who knows? But at the moment, we're in a season, it seems, uh, as, as churches to sort of set a, a peg in the sand and say, this is the direction we're heading, to remind ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing and the direction that we're heading in. And so the vision that I want to present to you this morning is not one necessarily of, of a theme for 2020. Uh, we're not going to make just a banner and say, well, let's make a theme of love or prayer or worship or, or, or something like that, um, but rather just a, a direction that we're going to, to head into. Uh, I believe that the vision that God has for us and the vision that God generally gives for us is much bigger than what we can achieve in a, in a 12-month window. Uh, the things that I might share this morning, you might think, oh, geez, we're going to get our skates on if we're going to get that happening this year. And it would be great to see all these things happening this year, but in my heart, I feel like these are just a direction that we head in and, and set our eyes towards and go, let's go together this way. Let's head in the same direction because when the body of Christ and when a family of God moves in the same direction, and that's really what Vision Sunday is about. It's just really getting us all on the same page and going, yep, that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. When we all head in the same direction, we, we make a great impact and we have great influence as opposed to just go, just go in all 100 directions that you want and, and that's good and fine, but the, the influence and the impact is not as great as a, as, a, as a movement of people heading in the same direction. So that's really my heart this morning is that, that this vision that we, we would catch, and it's not a vision that I've just come up with and plucked out of thin air, it's a, just what I believe the, the vision of, that God has for his church um, and that he has set us on. So it's not going to be profound or new or something you go, oh, geez, we've never headed in that direction before. Like, I didn't think... Um, Brad would get us to go and cut down all the trees in sale, but that's the direction we're going. Doesn't seem very nice, but I'm not sure if I can get on board with that. It's not going to be anything radical. It could be, I suppose, but it's not going to be radical like that. It's, it's going to be good. Um, it's, a, it's a focused thing that we're going to head in the same direction towards. Last year, um, if you were, again, um, part of our Sundays, uh, we, sh we shared this idea around discipleship uh, a, a little bit in the middle of last year. And some of the things that we, we talked about were really around the statistics of the Australian church. Now, if you look up the statistics of the Australian church of Christianity in Australia, no matter which way you look at the figures, no matter which way you spin the figures, there's, there's not a good way to, to do it. The, the Australian church and Christianity in Australia um, is heading in a, in a decline. It's heading in a downhill direction, not an uphill direction. And in terms of, pop, you know, with population growth as well. And so there is something that's happening in Australian Christianity that is not a, not a great thing, but I think something that should stir us to action, that should motivate us to go, well, we need to do something else. We need to, we need to take the message of the cross and the, and the gospel seriously to make an impact in our community. And so my heart and my vision is that Sale Baptist would be a part of that change, would be part of a, a different story than we're seeing maybe uh, nationwide in the church at the moment. That we might see Sal Baptists have a, a different story and a different history of, of growth. And you look around this morning, I mean, there's not many spare seats in the place this morning. It's, it's great to see that we have seen some growth over recent times. 
Uh, and I, th- I think that's wonderful, but I suppose the growth that I would want to see is not just people coming to our church, but people coming to Jesus, people coming to Christ, people entering into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. It's great that we can attract someone to church, get them to sit in a chair and sing a song or go, huh, I don't like that song or whatever it is that you do during the songs. Listen to me going, oh, I don't really like what he said. Or, oh, that was really good. That was a funny story. Or, geez, I like his shirt today. It's too distracting. These are all the comments I get after a Sunday, by the way. I'm not just making these things up. Um, (laughs) Our heart is that lives would be changed, that people would be set on fire for Jesus and and give their life to him. And and really, that's the vision for for us this morning is that, and, and I've put it here, disciples making disciples is that that would be our church. We would be a, a church full of disciples. And a disciple is a learner, a student, a follower of Jesus. That we would be followers of Jesus, making followers of Jesus. Disciples making disciples. It's really the heart of this vision. Having people grow in their walk with Jesus as they are a disciple themselves and, and having people start their walk with Jesus as they become a disciple through the ministry of the people sitting in this room. Disciples making disciples. So I see this in two main sort of ways. And the first one I've um, put up is, um, I'm saying is this, ready as we are, growing as we go. Ready as we are, growing as we go. Now there's a scripture here, I want to read a few scriptures. And, and Luke 9, 1 to 6, tells us of a, of a story of Jesus sending out the 12 um, to go on mission. And so let's read Luke 9, 1 to 6 together. It says, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed. Don't take a walking stick. If you've got one, don't take it. I don't have one. A traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circle of villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So here we see the beginning of, or or one one of the times that Jesus sends out his disciples to go into the mission field to go and preach the good news of the kingdom of God, to to share the good news about Jesus bringing forgiveness of sins. As a couple of things that we notice in in this story, in this scripture. One is that Jesus gave the 12 disciples power and authority, power and authority. And the first thing I want to say right off the, the start of this is that this is not a rev up to get us to go, we just need to try harder. We just need to try harder. If we try harder, God will move. You know, we could try as hard as we like, but if God's not in it, if the power and authority of Jesus is not in it, then it's useless. And so we must have the power and authority of Jesus to, in anything we do to be effective in his work, to be effective in his ministry. So in no way am I saying this is just us just going, well, we just need to go. Faster, harder, longer, higher. Do all the things um, and then it'll be good. We need to rely on the power and authority of Jesus and it requires the presence of God in us and through us and amongst us. No revival, no miracle, no person comes to God without Him at work, without His power, without His authority in their life. The mission that we're sent on is not about talking people into relationship with Jesus and I think this is such a profound idea 
and such an empowering idea that we are not sent out to convince people to follow Jesus. Because if that's the mission, that's hard work. That's daunting and that's, uh, I don't want to be a part of that. Because I don't have the, the smarts, I don't have the fancy words, I don't have the ability to talk someone into a walk with Jesus. And if we do talk someone into following Jesus, someone else can just talk them out of it. Whatever you can talk someone into, someone else can talk them out of it. To have real life change, to have someone really come to uh, a walk with Jesus, it needs to be the initiation of the Holy Spirit through the power and authority of Jesus. It needs Jesus to make a difference. This truth gives us great confidence to, to take the mission and run with it, that it's God at work, not us. The other thing that I see in this story is that Jesus says to his disciples, don't get prepared, just go. Don't get your stuff together. Don't worry about going back home and getting your walking stick and your food and your bags and all the essential things that you think you might need for this sort of mission. Don't worry. Don't go get prepared. Just go. You're ready as you are. You're ready to go right now. You're ready. Just start the journey. Nothing happens without the power and authority of Jesus at work, but nothing happens if we don't step out in faith as well. And I think for so long we can put this idea that I'm not quite ready yet. I don't know quite enough yet. I haven't been discipled myself yet. I don't, haven't read the Bible enough yet. No one's laid hand, hands on me and commissioned me to go just yet. We can make all the excuses in the world and, and, and say whatever we like about not being ready yet. But Jesus says, you're ready as you are, just go. And if I'm honest, this is where I sit in the ministry that I have at the moment. As I stand right here, I often feel inadequate, like I am not prepared to do this role. I am not prepared to lead a church. I am not prepared to, to preach and to, to do the things that I believe God's calling me to do. But I step out in faith and I, I give it a go, knowing that it's His power and work that does, that does the work. It's His power and authority that does the work. Not my ability to, to get myself ready, to be the best I can be. And so you're ready as you are. What we see in Luke 9 is that the very next chapter in Luke 10, it's the same story, but this time it's just a different number. Let's read Luke, Luke 10, 1 to 4. It says, Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them out in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest to ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you as lambs among wolves. Do not take any money with you or a traveler's bag nor an extra pair of sandals and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. I love how Luke points out here this idea that the mission is not just for the 12 disciples, it's not just for those whose names are known, but it's for the 72 unknown. It's for the ordinary disciple. It's for, the, it's for everyone and anyone who would follow Jesus. I think Luke does this intentionally. He says, you know, it's for the 12, it's for the leaders, it's for the disciples, it's for the apostles, yes. But it's also just as much for the 72, for the wider group of people who just follow Jesus. The mission is not different, it's the same. Go as you are. You're ready to go, go out. Preach the good news. Share the good news. 
the peoples whose names we don't know, whose stories aren't told. They are just as important as taking the mission to everyone. And I think the idea of discipleship has missed this idea. I think the idea of discipleship in the church has missed this idea. That the more our culture moves towards professionalizing every aspect of our life, every aspect of our life needs a professional in it. You can't learn how to throw a cricket ball without a cricket coach telling you. You can't learn how to dance without a dance instructor telling you to dance. And obviously haven't had any dance instructors in my life. But you can't do things without someone who's an expert in that field telling you how to do it. And so I think that culture has seeped into the Australian church and we say, well, this, it's the experts, it's the preacher, it's the pastor, it's their job to make disciples and we just bring them the people. And then we go, whew, I brought them, that's my job, made my disciple. But I don't think that's, that's the idea of the kingdom of God. I think the idea of the kingdom of God is that the, the mission is in the hands of everyone, of ordinary people, of all of us. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. And this is the reality of the situation, that there are people ready to hear some good news. In a culture and a climate where we find ourselves today, there are people in desperate need of good news. And we have it. The harvest is ready. The work is ready to be done. So let's go. We don't need to get ready. We don't need to get our things in order. We just need to go. And as we go, as we go, we will grow. As we go on mission, God will do a work in us and we will see our spiritual lives, we will see our discipleship grow in a way we never have before. I think that's the way Jesus has designed discipleship is that he takes us and leads us by the hand and says, as you do ministry, as you lead people to me, as you disciple people, you will grow in your own walk with me. There's no perfect season, there's no perfect time. It's not gonna get any easier or better. We're not going to ever know enough, but the time is now. Don't get ready, let's go. So I don't know about you, but I want to grow in my walk with Jesus and I don't want to continue to be in the same spot that I am. And I've found over the years that the, the, the times that I've grown the most have been the times where I've engaged in God's mission the most. The, the times that I've stepped out in faith and done the ministry or the things that Jesus wanted me to do the most. They're the times that I've really grown the most. Not when I've just sat in my own little bubble and gone, oh God, make me grow. But it's when I've stepped out in faith and done the things that he's called me to do. That's when I've grown the most. And so in this, ready as we are, growing as we grow, I've got two sort of sub-ideas. And one is this, that we would see more people having, uh, more people discipling people than those who aren't. So as we sit around the room, that it would be more normal to have someone discipling someone else than it would uh, not be. So that the person next to you, between you two, at least one of you would be discipling someone. And I would go even a step further, that would be, we would see stories of people discipling someone to Christ, and that would be a normal story. That would be a normal part of our church story, that people are just discipling non-Christians to Christ, and that's a regular part of our story. That it wasn't just like, oh, 20 years ago, once I, I shared the gospel with someone and they almost came a Christian that there'd be recent stories of people coming to faith through the work and the ministry of us making disciples, of us going. That's a big vision. It's a scary thing to even say, to think about. But I think it's the heart of God. I think it's the heart of the gospel is that we will go out and make disciples. And this is as much as a vision for my life as it is for this church. And I won't ask for a show of hands, but I wonder if I was to say, 
How many of us have recently in the last three years led someone to Jesus, discipled someone to Christ? I wonder how many people would be able to put their hand up. I think that's a challenge for us. I really think that's a challenge for us. That we should be able to. There should be people. I'm not saying all of us, but there should be people that have led someone to Christ. That that should be a normal part of our story. And what a story we could tell. That people in Sail Baptist, in Gippsland, could see some sort of move of God, some sort of revival, some sort of Holy Spirit initiative where people were coming to Christ and not just coming to church because they moved to town, which is great. And if you've just moved to town this year and you're coming to church, welcome. Hello. This is us. Join in. But really, that's, that's, not, the, that's not the crux of it. The crux of it is that we would see people that aren't believers come to faith. And it's not the norm of Australian Christianity, but let's make it normal here. Let's have that vision. Let's make it normal here. Grow as we go, and as we engage in the mission, we are changing the disciple Jesus desires. The other part of this, this vision is that we will see first-generation disciples, first-generation disciples. So people that are coming to faith and who haven't had Christian parents or who don't have some sort of Christian background that's led them to this point. You know, for me, my story, part of my story starts with my granny, who's now 85, 6 years old, 7, maybe older, who came to faith when she was 10 years old. And because of that, because of the work that uh, someone did in her life of leading her to to Jesus, her brother came to faith and um, her parents came to faith. And all these snowballed because one person gave their life to Jesus and now I'm here because of part of that story. Part of that story. And so we might think, oh, a 10-year-old coming to faith, you know, what do kids know? What could they do? You know, they probably don't even understand what they're doing at that age. We can make all these ideas up in our head, but really the work of God begins in anyone's life. And anyone coming to faith is a good thing. And especially someone who doesn't have a faith background. One impact, one life impacts many lives. Second part of the vision. That's the first part, ready as we are, growing as we grow. Second part is this is that we would have a home for all, a church for the unchurched. Home for all. That we would see a place that has a big welcome, a big welcome. Imagine a place where the outsider, that we have the outsider in the front of our mind, that those who don't yet know Jesus, they're in the front of our mind as how we can make them welcome here how we can make them a home here. You know, one of the things that I see in the life of Jesus is that he sent his disciples out, and that's the first part of this vision, that we would go and we would make disciples, that we would go and reach the lost. But the other thing I see in the life of Jesus is that people just came to him. He lived in such a way that his life was inviting to others, that people of all walks of life, sinners of all sorts, felt welcome in his presence. That's a huge idea, that someone of that stature, someone of that sort of religious sort of life would have sinners come to him, feel welcome in his presence. Look at this scripture here in Mark 2, 13 to 17. It says, Then Jesus went out to the lakes 
again and taught the crowds. So he was going and they were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, or Matthew, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other, dis, other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so here in this story, we see Jesus went to Matthew. He went to Levi and said, come and follow me. He went on mission. And this is the first part of the vision for today, that we go. And Jesus goes out to preach and to share the good news to many, but also to call the one to disciples. So Jesus lived in his life in a way that was a witness to everyone that came into contact with him, but he still initiated the contact with the one. And if there's one little deception that I think that's creeped into the Australian church is this, is that we just need to live with the light. We just need to be the salt and the light of the earth and people will see it and that's enough. And as long as they see that we're Christians, that'll be enough. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what he preached. That's not what he taught. He told us to go. He told us to call people to follow Jesus, to use our words, not just our good life. So Jesus goes to the one who isn't religious, the one who doesn't show signs of any hope or redemption to a tax collector, to Matthew, and says, listen, I've got a different option for you. I've got a different idea for you. How about you follow me? How about you give your life up and surrender and, and become a disciple of mine? And so Matthew does that and then he invites Jesus around to his house and who comes? Who comes? All these people. In, in verse 15 and 16, in, in a different translation, it, it describes it like this. It says, as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes, uh, of, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And so the kind of people that were following Jesus were not the kind of people you and I would expect. They weren't the kind of church people. They were sinners. They weren't the kind of like Bible scholars who were like, oh, this guy's a good teacher. He's a good preacher. We should just sit under his teaching because he knows how to, you know, do expository preaching and tell us all the prophecies of the Old Testament and what they mean and where they came from. And I'm not against biblical preaching and we'll preach the Bible through and through. But that's not the type of people people that were attracted to Jesus the type of person that was attracted to Jesus was a sinner was an outcast of society was someone who was not attracted to the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day Jesus lived his life in such a way that welcomed people into his world in a way that the other religious people were not many of these kind followed Jesus it says Jesus lived and operated in such a way that was welcoming towards sinners that made provision and embraced them Sinners didn't just follow Jesus because he went to them, but because they came to Jesus. They heard about him and they came. And Jesus gives us a picture of what the church should look like and behave like through his life. One that sinners feel welcome to come to. 
that they will find a safe place where they can bring their life, they can bring their past, they can bring their hurt, they can bring their sin, their disappointment, who they are, and feel like they belong in a place that welcomes them as they are. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Religious people don't need a saviour. Sinners do. And we need to live in such a way that sinners are attracted to us to meet the saviour they desperately need. And we could set up our church in a way that religious people would love. That could just be really deep preaching, really thoughtful, meditative prayer for hours on end. Lots of candles. You know, we could do lots of religious things. And I'm not against any of those things. But if that's all we're doing, if that's how we want to set up our church, it's not going to be a welcoming place for the sinner. We've got, to, we've got to set up our church and our culture of our church in such a way that welcomes in those who are not like us, welcomes in those who are maybe a bit like an outsider and they feel like they can just walk in and it's a safe place for them to come. And for the religious little bones inside of us, this feels a little bit uncomfortable. But for the one who understands and recognises their own sin... This makes total sense. This is like, this is what we should be doing because this is who we are. We're not righteous, we're sinners. We need a doctor too. We need a doctor too. A big welcome home. And the second part of this, and maybe this will ease some of your, oh, I hope we're not going too wishy-washy, is that to have a big welcome home and to have a church that unchurched people love to attend, we need to have a strong culture and strong values. Strong culture and strong values. With an open door policy comes fear. What happens if people come in and they change us rather than us change them? What if we have so many people from outside come in? What if we lose our identity, a sense of who we are and where we're going and what we're doing? What if the wall colour changes? What if the music changes? Or the fashion or the smell or the swearing or the whatever it is that you might think might change? What happens if all those things change? Home for all, a great welcoming home is great because of the strong culture it has. Any place that you feel like is a strong welcoming place has a strong culture. It has a culture that you want to be a part of. It has a, it has a culture where people know what they believe. They know what they stand for. They know what's important to them. They can give grace on other things, but they know what's important to them and they hold strong to those things a strong culture with strong values wouldn't it be great if we had a church that had such a strong culture and strong values that we were not fearful at all at opening the doors as wide as we could to welcome whoever might come in wouldn't that be a great place to be and so part of this is over the next few months is that as a church and through our team nights and through small groups and through other avenues we're going to begin to develop and work on some of these core values we hold as a church. What they should be, what they might be, and how we can champion them and hold fast to them so that we might be able to do this. So we know who we are and who we desire to be. The other thing that's going to be crucial in this having strong culture and strong values is our team nights. Like Lauren mentioned, next Sunday we've got a team night and we're going to be working on the values and we're going to be working on building this idea of a strong culture 
and a strong framework to enable people to walk in and feel welcome and feel at home. And so I'd encourage you to think about becoming a regular at some of those things. But again, this is not just a theme for this year. It's not just like a 2020 theme and there's not one word that you can put this on and I made some little phrases up in there. Maybe cute, maybe not cute. I don't really care, but it's just a direction I feel that God is saying through his word, let's go. Let's go to all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. I'll be with you. I'm always with you. You need my power, you need my authority. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And so let's go to the sick. Let's go to those who need the good news. And as we do that, we'll find ourselves grow in our walk with Jesus like we never have before. Part of what I want to do this morning as we head into 2020, it feels like, even though we're a month in, it feels like we're just sort of starting, all the ministries are beginning to just start back if they haven't already. As I'd love for us to, to stand, if you're serving one of the ministries I'm about to call out, I'm going to get people to stand and we're going to pray and sort of commission all our ministries for 2020 and pray that God might use us to, to go to those who need Jesus and to be a big welcome, to be a church for the unchurched. And so if I forget your ministry, I don't think I have, but maybe I might um, just stand up anyway at the end. Okay, so we've got people in creche. As I call your ministry, if you serve in this ministry, just stand and just remain standing. Creche, SBC Kids and Check-Ins, Ignite Youth and Young Adults, Small Groups, Play Groups, if you serve on the band or the tech team, if you are an MC or a preacher, if you're part of the hosting team or the First Impressions team, maybe you're a welcome, an usher, a duty person, morning tea person, maybe you serve on the coffee cart, maybe you mow the lawns or do cleaning, in the shop, maybe you serve on Kids Hope or the pastoral care team, the prayer team, the design team, in ministry school, on the missions team, at out for lunch, in the admin area, in policy writing, in building maintenance, in meals teams, in Sunday lunches, in craft cupper and chat, or any women's events, men's breakfast and social events, bike rides, kitchen, catering, Safe church leaders, first aid people, IT support, venue hire, car parking team, CFD team, accounts and finance team, staff, church council and leadership team. Give us a big wave if I missed you, if I didn't yell your ministry out. I want to do this um, and pray for these ministries and for the leaders that are involved in these ministries. And maybe you're sitting and maybe you support other ministries in other ways and, and we'll pray for your influence as well. But we're really believing that 2020 is going to be a great year where people are coming to Jesus, where people are being influenced and impacted by the ministry and the life of this church and by the people in it. And not from the stage, but from us as a family, from us as a team. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for, for this year. We pray for the ministries that are beginning or who have already begun. God, for the people that are staying this morning and for the people that aren't here that are serving in different ministries, for the people that are serving already in Christ or in other areas at the back, God, we pray that this year we might see your power and authority at work in us and through us like never before. We pray that you might use us to, to further your mission, to preach the good news and to see people come to know you in a life-changing way. God, we, would, we pray that we would go 
that we would take this mission that you've got for us and we we would go as we are. And God, that we would provide a place that is a big welcome for anyone who might come in. A church for the unchurched. God, would you stir in us a, a desire and a passion to see the lost saved? A desire and a passion to see your name glorified and to see people come into a, a relationship with you. God, we desperately need you to see any of this happen. And so God, we pray and we ask that you would use each and every ministry in this church to do your good work, to preach the good news and to see lives changed. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.